Hello and welcome to Teaching Python. This is episode 13 recorded on February 17th, 2019. My name is Sean Tiber. I'm a computer science teacher that started off as a coder and now I'm learning how to become a teacher. I'm joined by my co-host Kelly Paredes. Kelly, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Kelly Paredes and I'm a teacher who started coding and we're just getting into the Python here in, uh, in, our, in, uh, in my career. Well, we're joined today by a very special guest, Josh Lowe from EduBlocks. Josh is a student who decided that there was an opportunity to create something new in Python to help students learn it better and give teachers another tool with which to teach Python. So, Josh, welcome to our show today. We're excited to have you. Hi, thanks for having me. Today we're going to be talking about Josh's experiences as a student in computer science. We're going to talk about his experiences as an as the EduBlocks developer and founder. And we're just really excited to connect and start talking about this subject. Before we get started, though, we're going to start off with our wins of the week, as we always do. So, Kelly, why don't you uh, start? Do you have any particular wins that you'd like to share this week? Well, not really too many different wins of the week since our since our last recording, but I did get 11 hours of sleep yesterday or last night after coming back from Germany. So it, that was actually a win. <laughs> I haven't. I'm a little bit on Josh's time right now. We uh, we woke up at 2:30 this morning in the in the U.S. Uh, all my kids. So, but I feel better. So that's the only win I have. No Python related. No book related. Very boring. Just I got a lot of sleep last night. And you, Josh, what were, any wins of the week for you, Josh? <laughs> so I made a, a reaction game, and I'm currently writing that up as a tutorial. So it, it's all about taking some crocodile clips, tinfoil, cardboard, and building like a quick reaction game with a micro bit, just as quite, like a simple physical computing tutorial. So I was quite happy with that. Nice. I, I, Josh just held it up on the screen for those of you, you know, listening at home. And I think that's the nicest tinfoil work I've seen on a reaction game. <laughs> Whenever we do it with students, it's all jagged and crumpled and everything. It's, he did some, some just, beautiful work with that. Yeah, yeah that, I think that was hard to get right. <laughs> the, the display one. Yeah, I've seen some of this from last summer and it was just like a ripped a little piece off and throw it on there. <laughs> How about you, Sean? How what's your wins of the week? So this week I've been working on a machine learning course from the ISTE uh, organization. So the International Society of Technical Educators uh, received a grant from General Motors to provide machine learning and AI instruction to teachers about integration into the classroom and how uh, we can use artificial intelligence in a more robust way going forward. So I've been working through that course this week and it really prompted me to come up with some great ideas around what we could do with our science integration uh, for machine learning and artificial intelligence and, and starting to build out perhaps some predictive analytics type tools for those programs and then have students you know, compare that way that the machine learns with the way that they learn and see if there's a some inferences and, and insights that we can draw from that. So cool. pretty pretty great... deep nerd tech stuff, but very exciting as well. As, as Sean said, we have Joshua Lowe with us. He's the creator of EduBlocks. And what's even more exciting about the fact that he's the creator of EduBlocks is that he is only 15 years of age and he created EduBlocks when he was 12. That's correct. So welcome, Joshua Lowe. Tell, how are you doing today? Hi, uh, thank you for having me. So kind of start with kind of like a brief overview of what Edublocks is. So Edublocks is a drag and drop coding platform similar to Scratch for Python. It kind of makes learning Python easier for students who 
might have a lack of typing skills, uh, might not be as confident, or and teachers as well who aren't as confident with the language or are just getting started. It kind of like breaks the barrier for people who are scared of the syntax and just want to get a better understanding of how Python works. It kind of just helps them get familiar with the language rather than just going in the deep end and typing it straight out as a lot, lots of things on the internet can be quite complicated for first-time users. Energybox is helping um, the people who want to learn Python but are scared of what they see firsthand. And it's kind of like a really good learning platform to begin with. I, I just started learning Python this past summer when my school told me that I had to teach Python. So I was searching all over the place for a Scratch-like program a couple of people were saying to me that no 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 you can't have you can't have these block programs because they're all written in javascript and there's no such thing out there and i found you and i found your site and it was the most satisfying find on the on the internet for me because if I couldn't figure out something, how to write in script, I was dragging the blocks. And, and I tell you what, Edublox was, was kind of like my security blanket. I felt a little bit li like Linus from... <laughs> so Linus was, had the blanket with Snoopy, Sean. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's right. I think it was Linus that had the, uh, the blanket. <laughs> so it's a great program. It's a great platform. Yeah, thank you. So I, I love the, um, the insights that you had when you came up with this in terms of the, the reasons for why students don't necessarily want to code or why they don't feel comfortable typing a text-based programming language. How did you really, like, how did that really start? Was there like a one little aha moment that said, oh, I can do this or there's a need here? Or was it more of like a series of events that, caught, that led you to creating EduBlocks? I started um, learning, so I, I started off with Scratch, as most people do. Then people said, oh, you should learn Python. And I was like, I, I, I kind of looked at it and thought, I don't want to learn that. I'll never, never ever get around to learning that. And then, like most people, found it hard to kind of make that transition from the, the familiarity of, like, dragging the blocks and everything just being there. And then having to go into like this this blank area where you type things and then can get it all wrong, and it, it can be quite frustrating at first for people who have only done like scratch. As the years went on, I learned other languages like JavaScript and all that sort of stuff, and Python as well. And then I I kind of thought, why can't I combine the skills uh, that I have and skills of people in the the community and develop a platform that will help students go from scratch to Python. And then at the time I developed a Python library for um, controlling a, I think it was a kit that I bought that allowed you to hook up LEDs and stuff with uh, the Raspberry Pi. I developed that Python library and then kind of made a block platform for that. And so instead of just taking the idea of scratch, why not put uh, Python text on the blocks to kind of give people that kind of like step to learning Python and uh, getting used to, so you still got the familiar, familiarity of the blocks, but you can code in Python and see what you're doing as you go. And the idea was born from there really, through kind of learning different skills to build up a program and then develop it to where it is now. Nice. That's amazing. Yeah, that's really, really nice. That's really cool. <laughs> so it was kind of like a, a personal need really, and then people kind of liked it and then I uh, released it on GitHub and 
then teachers started using it in uh, the classroom and then hobbyists started using it at home. It was never meant to be a big project, but it, it turned into one. Out of curiosity, did it start off kind of like a, a creative project at school or just as fiddling no, around? So it started off as a personal project at home. I think I was, I was at an event in Blackpool, which is a town near me, and I, I met someone who knew how to use Blockly, which is the block platform that many programs use. Um, so he taught me how Blockly works, and then I went away and developed Edublox, so kind of like a, a proof of concept. At the time, it only supported turning on one red LED and then a building one block in Minecraft. But that was kind of like a really good start just to show people what the idea was uh, and see if they liked it, and they, they did. And it, it just went from there, and I never stopped. It's amazing. I think that's an inspiration for prototypes. We talk a lot about kids of just make some sort of prototype. It doesn't matter what it looks like, if it's ugly, if it's made of cardboard, but just to yeah. get some idea. That's amazing. Did you have any particular moment where you realized, wow, there's like this is really taking off, or... I can't believe that my little hobby project got this big this quickly. Yeah, so like within the first week, there was lots of teachers from the UK starting to use it, and then they'd feedback what the students saw. Uh, and then people started contributing on GitHub, and that, that was kind of like, it kind of shows that people believe in the idea and want to use it. And just having that feedback that it's actually helping people that, students actually want to improve this. It was kind of like the starter for making it into a, a bigger project. Wow. I, th I think, what do your teachers say? Do they, do they come to you all the time for problems? Uh, yes, yeah, so um, <laughs> on, on Edubox, there's like, there's like a feedback button and then uh, students and teachers uh, kind of submit. So most of the features actually in Edubox are requested by teachers. Recently, there was a teacher, well, an ex-teacher from Canada who used Edubox in, in their job to develop uh, their products. And they, they contributed some useful feedback into one of the categories, kind of like uh, making it more logical in the way it was set out and then adding blocks to help people learn more core Python. That was kind of really helpful because as well as just getting my perspective, it, that's not always right. And getting uh, other people's perspective as what, you know, the actual users want, that's really handy. I'm like, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm just, a, I'm excited because so many of the things that you're doing instinctively and naturally fit so well into, you know, what we're trying to teach our students, but also what I've seen in, in the working world where it's really about the user-centric design, where it, you know, it doesn't really matter as a developer what you think it should be. It really matters yeah. what the users are actually going to use. And, and I just love hearing that very practical, pragmatic approach to, to designing the EduBlox. Yeah, you can find that like something that I do, teachers might not necessarily like the way I've done it, because obviously what I think is best isn't always best for the people who are using it. So having that second opinion is always really good. A part of our podcast is, a, I mean, our, our podcast is focused on teaching Python, and, and it's, but I'm always like the, I love to focus on just the teaching and, and design thinking and that approach of problem solving and that messiness. And it, it, you're just kind of an inspiration for me, kind of that boost of, uh, yay, there are people out there who are getting it. The kids, yeah. we, we all strive as teachers to, to find the kid that, finds the real world, uh, real life scenario and, and goes with it. 
I, I don't know. I, I just think that's great. And now you're finding the messiness of the iteration process. Is it is it exciting to you or is it uh, a little bit of annoying? <laughs> I know like um, Nicholas Tolvey, who developed the Mew editor, he, he was talking to me the other week about like when you're developing software, you can always, you always hear about the bad stuff and never the good stuff because everyone only submits bad features and all that sort of stuff that they don't necessarily like. But I think the good thing about the community that we're in is that people really like sharing what they found and what they're doing. That's what really sets the Python community out to all the others is that people actually give good feedback and like want to help out. The whole open source thing is really good as well. Yeah, I, I would agree. One of the things that I've been most excited about with Python, and I'm relatively new to the community also, having started about the same time that Kelly did, is is just the, that enthusiasm and excitement for people doing cool things. You made this cool thing, like, that's that's great. I'm, here's how I'm using it. Look at this thing that I did with it. Oh, I have some ideas for it. It's just there's an infectious enthusiasm in the Python community yeah. for each other's work, and I, I think that's pretty special. So just out of curiosity, for the inspiration of the students, because we're always looking at ways to, to motivate students, two questions on your end. What motivated you? Just Was it just the problem of, of not having the easiness of Python, or are you always that type of person who likes to seek out solutions to problems? Yeah, so the motivation was, like, learning firsthand what it is like to be someone who's going straight into Python from the block-based programming languages. And I, I kind of just saw a need and people was going to like lots of events and conferences. You, you hear the things that people talk about, like, oh, it'd be cool to have this. And people have actually tried doing the idea of VeggieBlocks before it existed, but it kind of never took off. And I thought, oh, why, why is this? So I thought, let's try it out. That was kind of the motivation to try out something new because I, I hadn't done anything like this before. Nothing kind of existed like this. So that was a, a motivation to do something new. We're just stunned. <laughs> <laughs> What's been the reaction among your fellow students? Or do your classmates use EduBlocks? What do they think of it? Like in your interactions with other students, do they give you good feedback on it, good ideas, things that they get maybe a little frustrated with? Yeah, so I have actually spoke to my school about getting Edgebox into our school curriculum. But I found that it, in the UK that, that's really hard because we have this thing where teachers have to follow one thing and one thing only. They, they like other countries, can like change it up a bit. And I think that's a really sad thing. In the UK, if, if teachers find something that they really want to use, it isn't always as easy. So my school don't actually use it. But um, my teacher has used it before, personally. So kind of getting, kind of knowing someone who can give me feedback on a teacher's perspective even, that, that's, that's really good. But it's not in my school yet, mm. but I am working on that. Excellent. I kind of use, just as a teacher's perspective, I use EduBlocks after I introduce Python yeah. to, to our kids. I don't know if you heard on our previous podcast, but when I found it, I didn't want to give the kids EduBlocks right away. Yeah. Because I didn't want them to default because our code is a script, but I gave it to them about week five and six yeah. because you know, that blank page when you go to, when you start to type into Python is a little bit scary, but if you, it, once you know the basic couple lines that you have to type, then you're like, Oh, what if I do that? And then I switch them to EduBlocks and I have them 
take, steal, whatever the code that you convert. And that's yeah. been really helpful. And uh, I was actually looking at one of your, you got, you were looking for resources for some lesson, lesson plans. And yeah. I was thinking about how it could help, help your community, help the community with Edulox with that kind of lesson plan. Because that's yeah. something that Sean and I have both talked about is how are we getting kids into to learning Python script? And I think the Edublox helps to helps the kids problem solve. Helps yeah. you guys problem solve. Because if you don't know how to turn on the, the LED or if you don't know how to do something in Microbit, you can go to Edublox and you kind of cheat, find the block yeah. and steal the code. And I think it's just great. I think it's great in that perspective for helping helping our my seventh graders, which are year eight year eight for you. I actually, when I am doing something on the mic bit, for example, I actually find find myself using Edgebox more than I do typing it. Just it's like a, well, it's kind of a lazy thing, really, because I, I found that as well as using it to learn Python, it's really good for like quick, quickly prototyping ideas. Uh, so if you've got an idea, uh, but don't necessarily have the time to uh, write a full Python script, it's really good just to have everything there. And then to be able to quickly drag and drop it, and then take the code from then on to develop it further, I found that's that's also a really popular use case as well as le uh, using it to learn. We'll have to try that. I'll try that out this uh, this quarter with our kids, and we'll, we'll write up a lesson plan for you, and we'll put it up there for on uh, what is it? What is your lesson plan website that you add uh, on learn to? Learn.edublox.org. Yeah, so we'll post one up there for you. Cool. So, with teachers. You know, one of the things that we're we're looking for here in the United States, and I'm sure there's similar issues in in other places, there are not enough computer science teachers out there um, to meet the demand. Right? There's so many in the states, in particular. There's so much variation in in terms of needs and training levels from district to district and school to school. There's not many teachers who know Python, and there's not even necessarily a lot who are who want to learn yet because they don't think there's this level of awareness of what it can do. Was anything that you can share from, you know, what seems to help teachers really get this and understand this from your perspective? Yeah, so in the UK, we had a, a new computing curriculum brought in five years ago now, I think. But the problem was that it was kind of like thrown on. So we had a subject called ICT, which was like Word, Excel, all the like IT stuff. And then the computer science thing was just thrown on teachers who didn't necessarily have the training. So we've just had, I think it was an 80 million pound investment uh, from the government to start a, a new national center for computing education, which is a face-to-face -face CPD training teachers up on how to teach Python. So I think in the UK with that we're quite lucky in the in the sense that we have lots of training run by Raspberry Pi and lots of different organizations who uh, want to help teachers. But my advice for new teachers is join the community because there are lots of people um, out there that teachers who don't necessarily know what the community is you can go to these people and access really good knowledge. I'm not sure if you have these in the States, but we have events called Raspberry Jams, which are kind of like Raspberry Pi meetups, but they kind of evolved into not just Raspberry Pi, but being like these, these programming meetups and the things called co-clubs and coder dojos. 
So there's lots of events in the UK and worldwide, actually, that you can go to to join the community and learn from other people. One of the fears maybe that some teachers have, especially if they're transitioning from having some technical knowledge or being able to teach Excel or, or Word or something like that to transitioning into Python is that it's going to be too hard and that they're going to fail at it yeah. because it's and now we're into text-based programming and there's all these phenomenal people out there who have accomplished all these great things. Any advice for those people in terms of how to join the community or what you've seen at those community events in terms of their inclusiveness and welcoming to new teachers? Yes. At events like PyCon in the States, there are uh, lots of things uh, like education summits where teachers can go and learn from community members who are Python developers and also teachers as well who have been on the journey of going from knowing nothing to delivering Python in the classroom. And I think that like the Education Summit events are really good because not only do you get to learn from experts in the Python world, so like core Python developers, you can also learn from teachers who have once been in your position and are now kind of teaching Python to a really good level. I've been to quite a few of them and they're, they're really good to kind of get other people's views on what they've done, but also make really good contacts um, with Python developers. I know lots of Python developers and community members actually go into schools to, do, to deliver workshops and lessons. And they're, they're really good um, events to get to if you're a new teacher and want to uh, teach Python. Any suggestions for helping to motivate students, anything that you've seen through Edublox that seems to work particularly well in terms of getting students excited and engaged, that kind of moment where they lean forward to their computer instead of leaning back? Yeah, so one popular thing is robots and all the physical computing stuff because you, you find that like a lot of Python examples or just like make something appear on a screen um, in the shell. And like for, for kids, that's not necessarily that exciting. So kind of building, I've seen lots of teachers build like physical projects and then hook up LEDs to it and all that sort of stuff. So actually taking code into like the physical world, that's what I see as the most exciting thing. Another thing is like building robots. You don't have to buy really expensive robots to be able to do it. Just like um, in science, you have you can have DC motors that you can plug into like driver boards on the mic bit, and you can build a robot for like ten dollars. That's just a really simple and cheap way to take Python into a more physical world, and that gets uh, students really motivated into wanting to learn more. Do you remember any project, one of your first projects, where it kind of motivated you? Anything that physical computing projects that you did that motivated you? I was actually given a, a robot for my birthday when I started just started out with Python. That that was a really good way of getting me excited into like what the possibilities are. So like being able to show that Python doesn't necessarily have to be hard if you want to do really exciting things, because there's lots of like resources for students and teachers out there building these physical computing projects. So I, I found that the, the robots do really make a difference in um, making students want to carry on. Are there any projects coming up that you're excited about? You know, improvements to EduBlox, non-EduBlox projects, anything that, that you're particularly motivated by 
Yeah, so I'm currently developing a new version of Edgelox, which is going to work on iPads and uh, computers and anything with an internet connection, really. The problem with Edgebox now that I see is you need to buy hardware like a Micbit or a Raspberry Pi. And especially in schools in the UK, you find that they don't really have the funding to be able to buy these devices. I'm currently building similar to like the way the Mew editor works, where you've got the different modes. And mm-hmm. um, the idea of this new editor is that you can use Python uh, and learn the, the core basics uh, without having to buy any hardware. But also, it's it's obviously going to include some fun libraries and all, all that sort of stuff, uh, rather than just the basic stuff. But that that's what I'm really excited about for this year, being able to see what people create with that and what teachers think of it. Excellent. And, and what's one of your fun favorite libraries? I ask this question uh, a lot. <laughs> so probably it, GPIO Zero on the Raspberry Pi. I think that because obviously you can you can do mostly anything with like the physical computing stuff on the Raspberry Pi, but the 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 good thing is it's not really difficult. And um, so like in three lines of code you can have like a flashing LED. It's really easy for students to take the documentation, and build something with it. Uh, it's not necessarily a hard library to learn. Uh, so I think because obviously that covers all the like fun stuff like robots and electronics and all that sort of stuff that you can do with the Raspberry Pi. I think that's probably my favorite library. Excellent. That was one of my most challenging ones, I think, because when I, I, I'm not an engineer, I'm a, I'm a science biologist. And yeah. when I first had to teach the Pi Top, I was hiding in the closet, I think, crying. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't remember all the pens and I had, uh, Sean found the GPIO board and I was like, oh, there's a board for this. I think that was one of my most highlighted yeah. moments. I was telling the kids, I was like, oh, so yeah, I was excited to see um, EduBlocks with the GPIO boards because it is fun. We like that. We did a we did a speed reaction game and I got our principal, our assistant principal playing that game. And that that is, you're right, it just really brings in the engagement level, I think, yeah. for, for a lot of the kids. So good. I'm excited to hear that. This week, we have a listener submitted question. So Jason Kibbe, um, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, asked the question, um, and I think this is very appropriate for today's discussion. Do your students ever just open-ended create in Python? What do they come up with on their own? Josh, I think this is very appropriate for your hobby project. Um, are there any projects that you've seen students or things that, that EduBlocks has done that has been surprising to you, something that you didn't see coming from a student that they just open-ended created on their own? Yeah, so I run a, a monthly co-club at the local museum um, where I live. And I I think it was two months ago, I gave them like uh, some basic code to draw a circle in um, Turtle, uh, which is like the graphical library in Python. They, they all went away and like took that to build fireworks and all that um, sort of stuff on their own. So I think a really good idea is give students a cheat sheet or... Uh, just some basic examples of which they can build on uh, because sometimes just giving them the basic stuff can kind of open their imagination as to what they can do rather than just giving them something really complex that they can't necessarily take and do their own thing with. That way everyone's code is unique. They can build their own thing and say, hey, I, I did this and show it off to all their friends and I find that giving them the basics 
to open and create with what they have works really well. Yeah, I, I, I completely see that as well. I had one student, we were also learning Turtle, and I had shown them basic lines and turning movements. One kid came back to me like two or three days later and showed me the entire house and tree and you know this yeah. entire scene that he had drawn using just line movements, right? Like move forward, turn this way, turn that way. And he kept coming back to me over the course of several days you know, now I've added windows to the house and now I've added a cloud <laughs> yeah. and it was pretty amazing. I'm, I mean, it's kind of the modern day Etch-A-Sketch, I think, in terms of the approach and it's amazing what they do with it. Yeah, sometimes not giving them the full code allows them to kind of explore because by giving them kind of just the basics, it doesn't, it doesn't kind of like just limit them to what they have. Um, they kind of have to explore and um, create what they want, rather than just following a boring worksheet. So I, I find that I, I'm starting to do more of that because uh, students prefer it to kind of just having the more complex stuff. To be able to build their own thing kind of gives them that sense of accomplishment. Speaking of accomplishments, and, and I'm sure I missed out on a whole bunch of the list here, but I just gotta, I gotta say this, and I've gotta list out some of the things that you've already accomplished at, at your age of 15. You've been in Beans Magazine, which I saw that article. I actually ripped it out of my Beans Magazine, and I used that. You, you started a, a new magazine called the Micro.mag. Micro is that yours, or is that yeah, just so, something you um, picked on? I'm part of the editing team for the Microbit Magazine. So I just saw that. I'm excited. I've just joined that listserv. You've been to PyCon. Yeah. How many times? So I've been to PyCon in the States just the once. Yeah, in the 2018, and other magazines and blogs and podcasts. I've seen you presented in France and the United States and anywhere else. Uh, I've done lots of talks in the UK as well, but um, France and the US are the other two countries. And you even had a talk at Google headquarters. Yeah. Am yes, I missing so. anything else amazing that was uh, that you've done already at the age of 15? Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Amit. So, having done all that, what are your what are your plans? You're in GCSEs right now. Yeah. So the next plans is to get the new kind of modal editor out and uh, focus on some more uh, community contribution stuff. So being able to have developer documentation to allow people to add what they want rather than me deciding what I want, because then it's better for everyone. So that, that's kind of like the main focus for this year. Nice. And long term, long term, what do you want to uh, do in the future? Long, long term, so <laughs> probably, probably in the long term, I kind of like it to run itself in a way where it's more of a community-based project, uh, where people submit more things and obviously getting it used in more countries and more schools is the long-term goal as well. Excellent. So, in addition to you know more developer and community support. What are some other ways that the community can support you in the EduBlocks mission? Are, are there ways that teachers, students, and developers can, can particularly help EduBlocks move along to the next, uh, next stages? Yeah, so for teachers, it's probably like if you develop a lesson plan with EduBlocks, which many teachers have, posting that on Twitter, making it open to everyone for either for me to put on the website for other teachers to use, or just host, hosting it on a blog of their own. Uh, I find that uh, lots of teachers are doing that, but the more that can do it, 
it makes it easier for teachers to get started with Edubox because there's something already there and then they can build upon that in their own lessons. For developers, Edubox is all open source on GitHub. So you can uh, go to, I think the link will be in the... Um, yeah, we'll make sure it's in the show notes for you. If you go to GitHub, there's lots of documentation on how you can add libraries into the Raspberry Pi version, uh, libraries into the Circuit Playground Express version, or also the Microbit one as well. For developers, that would be the go-to thing uh, for that. So there's lots of ways for everyone to get involved. Also, even if it's just a um, an issue or a feature request, they really help get what people want into the program rather than me just adding what I want. So having people suggest features and all that sort of stuff really helps as well. And I'll say it so you don't have to. For anyone who's who wants to contribute financially to EduBlocks, there's a Patreon link that we'll put in the show notes as well to help keep it going and help pay for things like servers and, and hardware and things like that that help EduBlocks along. So if anyone's willing to support a few dollars here or there, a few pounds here and there, I'll put the link to the Patreon in the show notes as well. Well, we are just about out of time, and I want to thank Josh again for joining us. This has been uh, truly a pleasure to have you on on our show and and talk with you and get to know you. We, as we mentioned, we're going to definitely help out with lesson plans of our own and and ways that we can support you. It's been a tremendous help in our classrooms. I, I think I can speak for Kelly when we encourage anybody, any teachers that are looking to bring Python to their students in a in a richer, more robust way, to definitely go get edgy blocks into your classroom and put it in front of some students and just see what happens. Yes, thank you for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and in your ad to my to my three kids that I now going to show my students as inspiration, there was uh, uh, the arcade Joshua's Ar- Josh arcade, I think. He did that with the with the cardboard, and then there was another chi- a student who who made apps at the age of thirteen, and now we have Joshua Lowe who made EduBlox at the age of of twelve. So I mean, just an inspiration as a teacher. It's always nice. It makes our heart smile and side when we see a student who's got a passion for learning and I just want to say thank you thank you for being you and thank you for creating EduBlox it's great I think one of the the best thing to see was the project is what um, students create and what they really like to do with it seeing lots of projects on Twitter and around the internet that's like a really good motivation thing uh, to kind of keep the project going so Anyone who can share what they've created really helps. Excellent. Well, thank you. So we'll wrap up here. This is Sean. And this is Kelly. Signing off. Mm